Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Once again, I'm excited to have another leader in the world of sports on Leaders Lead with Van Malone. Our next guest, Eric Alex Gary, has had a terrific career as an administrator. He's at, he has an experiences in development and external relations and has held positions in some of the top athletic departments across the country. He took over as athletic director at Western Carolina in May of 2020. But before that, he's had stops at Oregon State, Maryland, Michigan, and UNC Charlotte. Alex, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate you for taking the time to share your wisdom and insight with us. Thanks for having me, Van. Really appreciate it. Look forward right. to the conversation. Oh, man, it, it'll be great if, if judged by the guys we've had so far. It's actually been cool. We've had athletic directors. We've had conference commissioners. We've oh, wow. had head coaches. We even had a guy who's about to coordinate in the Super Bowl, Grace Our Podcast. Very cool. Um, it's funny when you think about it, uh, but, but we sometimes find ourselves in places that we never thought we'd be. You know, in my, in my wildest dreams as a student athlete, I never thought that I would have coached at North Dakota State. <laughs> and, and I, but I'm curious about your path. Talk to us about your journey from from a collegiate athlete to becoming a director of, director of athletics. Absolutely, Van. Well, um, you know, I don't think anybody grows up saying they want to be an athletic director, but I'm probably the closest thing to it. Uh, right after I got out of college, maybe about, took me about a few months or so, um, and I kind of went to a couple of different athletic directors at some institutions that I was familiar with and, and asked them about this whole business. and they gave me a little bit of advice. Um, uh, the first piece of advice was go back to school and get a secondary degree because everybody in intercollegiate athletics, it seems like all ADs um, at the time I wouldn't have this conversation have those secondary degrees. Um, I asked what I should get it in and, and uh, one of the individuals said, don't do the sports management degree. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you wanna run an athletic department one day, um, you're going to need that business acumen, that experience in compliance and human resources situations, marketing, so on and so forth, budgeting. And so I did that. I went back to the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. As you mentioned, I actually ended up working there after getting my MBA there. Um, the other piece of advice I got was to get into development, uh, fundraising, as you mentioned before, has kind of been my path to this chair. But what I was told was, you know, at some point as an AD, 
you're going to have to cast a vision and get people to, to buy into that vision. And there's no better place, in, in my opinion, and in, in that individual's opinion, to do so in development. Because every day you're asking people to give you their hard-earned money to achieve a goal that uh, whatever leader at that institution deems is, is most appropriate. So um, I, I rolled my sleeves, sleeves up, lived at home with, with the parents for a little bit uh, to save some money while I was in school. And, um, you know, like, like you mentioned, started off at UNC Charlotte, was able to help start their first football program there, um, doing some fundraising and so on and so forth. Got a great opportunity to go to the University of Michigan, which is obviously one of the biggest brands, uh, kind of like your alma mater at Texas, I believe, right? right. Um, out there and, and just learned a ton um, about, about a lot of different things, capital campaigns, leadership. Uh, the, the former AD there was the former CEO at Domino's Pizza. Uh, and so he had a, a lot of really good things to say from a strategic planning perspective. And I pay a lot of close attention to people like that um, yeah. because I wanted to obviously be in his shoes one day. Uh, moved on to the University of Maryland. Kevin Anderson, wonderful athletic director, gave me a great opportunity there uh, to actually be a leader in that organization, um, have people that report to me, oversee sports and, and multiple departments outside of just uh, athletic development. And then got a chance to, to sit on a senior leadership team at, at Oregon State University uh, and just, I can't say enough about the great people there. Worked for a great foundation leader um, and also a great athletic director in Scott Barnes. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't there as long as I planned on being there, but uh, I actually went to school at Western Carolina where, where I'm the athletic director here. I played baseball here for three years. And a, a buddy of mine who's actually was in my, my wedding recently, uh, who played basketball here, gave me a call and said, you know, the Western job is open. And so, um, you know, my heart skipped a beat a little bit because I figured if there was an opportunity that would come maybe a few years before I thought this opportunity would come, it would be this one. And so uh, long-winded story, but that's how I got to where I am today. Man, great. Fantastic. Um, you mentioned a few names that, I, that I've had the opportunity to interact with. Most recently, Kevin, Kevin Anderson had an opportunity to visit with him, uh, I want to say, uh, two weeks ago. And, uh, and I met him many years ago through a mutual friend. So, uh, yeah, you, you learn from one of the great ones. Absolutely. So as a player, it's the, it's the yell of the crowd. And, and as a coach, it's seeing that light bulb go off in a player's life on the field or sometimes off the field. Now, for an administrator, what is your game day? Where does your thrill come from? That's a great question. I've never been asked that question. That's a really good question. I think that my thrill comes from the same place it did when I was a student athlete. And, you know, one of the things I told a group, I talked to a lot of groups associated with the institution here. One of the things that I told a group recently is that I don't like to lose. I don't think anyone likes to lose. There's a reason we keep score in sports. And so my thrill is to see our student athletes who I know work so hard, um, our coaches who obviously work so hard, regardless of what level you're at, Division One, Two, Three, Power Five, Group of Five, FCS, to to win, uh, to win championships, to celebrate, to cut down nets, um, and you know we're at a place right now where, in in terms of men's basketball and football, we have not been the postseason play in a long time, and so what motivates me every single day is is to cut down those nets at a Southern Conference tournament and know that our our basketball team is going to. Uh, wherever to play in a regional, knowing that our football team 
is going to have an opportunity to compete for a national championship as part of an FCS playoff team. And so we've got a long way to go. But what motivates me is those moments. And, and every day I come to work thinking about how do we get there? Um, and, and so I feel like a, a little bit of a student athlete still. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, uh, a, fan, a fan to some extent still, uh, but a person that wants to do whatever they can to eventually look those kids in the eyes, look those coaches in the eyes and say, you know what, it was all worth it. Everything that we went through uh, was worth it. All the difficult conversations uh, was, were worth it. And, and, and we finally got there. So that's, that's really where my energy comes from. Okay. So now you got hired May 1st, uh, the first part of May last year, right in the middle of the pandemic. What was that like? But 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 what did you have to make sure of the, the first thing that you wanted to make sure of when you took over? Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. Matter of fact, I'll give you a little bit of a, a brief uh, kind of couple week window. So I was named athletic director here at Western right at the end of February, about a year ago to the day almost now that I think about it. Um, and the next weekend, I flew back out to Oregon and came back out uh, here to, to North Carolina for the Southern Conference men's basketball and women's basketball tournaments. And um, uh, we, we got the tournament in, you know, we won a game and lost a game. The next weekend um, is when the Power Fives had their tournaments and um, is when things started to get canceled. Right. And so it was a shocker, right? I mean, you're, you're no longer in a position where you're a senior associate athletic director over development and your main job yeah. is only is talking to boosters about, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough on the kids and hang in there with us and so on and so forth. I mean, it's, it's talking to student athletes and coaches that you don't have a relationship with yet right. um, and telling them, Hey, you know what? I know you don't know me and I know I don't know you, but I feel for you. Um, we're going to be colleagues. We're going to get through this. Um, and so it was a really, really tough uh, situation. I tried to, to uh, be as visible as I could be on the phone with coaches that I didn't have a relationship with as much as I could. Um, one of the really challenging pieces, though, was not knowing who at the university to go to. When right. you're not familiar with a place, I mean, I went to school here 20-something years ago, but when you're not familiar with a place and, and, and know the, the rules around it and who does what and so on and so forth, this is an institutional issue. So it wasn't just knowing who your senior associate and your associate ADs are and what their responsibilities were, but what decisions are the university making? So it was really extremely challenging, but, um, you know, we, 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 we got back to ground level and, and you got a chance to know people really quickly. Um, instead of, you know, telling people about your families and what, what hobbies do you like? I mean, we were talking about work and business from day one. So, right. um, it was a crazy situation. I, I've been here, I think nine months now, officially, it feels like about nine years. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's been going on. But, um, I think that, uh, from a from a staff unity perspective, it actually was beneficial uh, because it allowed me to get a lot closer to my staff and really also identify pretty quickly. Um, this this may sound bad, but but who who you can lean on and who you can depend on and, and how right. people react under uh, under uh, times of uncertainty. So while it was really crazy, I think it also had its benefits as well. And, and we're going we actually that that'll be one of my next questions. But you know, as you as you talked about you know, you having to jump in when you did, it's really funny because it made me think back to my experience here at Kansas State where Coach Kleiman, uh, our head coach, called me in and said, listen, 
I want to promote you to assistant head coach. And, you know, what that means is, is I want to partner with you to, to run this program. And that was pretty cool at the moment. Then all of a sudden the uh, COVID pandemic hit and, and I'm going into meetings where I, where you as an assistant coach, you want to push the head coach. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. <laughs> Good luck. So, so, so there was a meeting. That was a big time meeting. I remember this vividly, and uh, and I said to him, "Okay, well, go ahead and ha have have a good one." He said, "He said no, you're coming with me." <laughs> so uh, it has been a tremendous learning experience, but um, challenging, challenging for sure. And so, speaking of challenging, 2020, wow. <laughs> Wow, we're out of that out of that place. Uh, but politics, racial discussions, uh, name, image, likeness, the transfer portal, which is continuing on. You know, there's definitely been uh, adversities across the spectrum. But but how do you think? And you kind of alluded to it a second ago. But how do you think uh, all those things, uh, creating social justice initiatives, uh, the COVID protocols? How do you think those things have made you a better leader? for years to come? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I guess that, um, you know, when you're aspiring to be in a leadership position, a head coach, uh, university chancellor, or president, an athletic director, whatever the case may be, you, you, you read books and you, you talk to mentors and they tell you about the things you gotta do in order to be successful. And I think that all of the, uh, the, the challenges, all of the kind of the, the a variety of issues that we've had to deal with over the past year or so, it just really helped me understand why the things that I knew were important were important, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yes. Um, because you, you, you listen to things and you, you, you hear from people, but until you're actually in that seat, you start to really understand why those things are valuable. And so, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things, especially around the social justice stuff, um, especially around um, a lot of the, the COVID issues, um, that weren't necessarily uh, on, on the COVID side that clear. We didn't always have clear answers on what next week was going to look like, quite honestly, at times. It was just uh, being visible. Um, even though you don't have all the answers, um, communication is, is, is better than silence. And so um, I think just understanding that uh, a, a two-minute phone call to an assistant coach, a a two minute phone call to the captains on your football team who are thinking about pausing their activities in order to take a stand for social justice, which our football team did. And I felt very fortunate that they uh, felt uh, good enough about the leadership um, at the institution to involve us and not just say, hey, well, here's what we're gonna do, uh, but really look at us as partners. And so being visible, um, trying to communicate the best I can, uh, the best that I could in, in many of these situations. But kind of going back to what I said before, um, until you're in that seat, you really don't know um, the things that uh, people have told you, the things that you've read, how important those things are. And I think that that's um, going through those things has really helped me be a better leader. Yeah, I, I again, as I listen to you, uh, I think about the experiences here and um, one of the things that Coach Kleiman always talks about is the fact that he, as a head coach, understand the importance of being visible, you know, because especially in the times of crisis, and I've 
believe this as well, that in times of crisis, if you go back and think about the country, think about the United States during the Great Depression, and the reason that uh, Franklin Roosevelt is, is one of the reasons that he's uh, thought of as such a great president in this moment of struggle for our country, is because what he did is he told he gave the country a plan and he's he said after i didn't know if it would work uh but but i wanted to give a plan i wanted to make sure that everyone knew this is the road we're traveling and when you talk about leadership no one has all the answers but most people they just want a plan most people just want to know that you're there supporting them and the visibility, like you said, the communication is big time important, especially for our student athletes and our coaches who are living in a moment that no one's ever lived in, you know, uh, as, as a society, but then not even as coaches and student athletes. So you, you were one of the first signatories of the Collegiate Coaching Diversity Pledge which I happen to have a have an opportunity to be a part of as well. What does this mean to you? And 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 then even as we look at the the bigger picture, what do you think something like this means to the NCAA as a whole? Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess the first thing I'd say is um, I'd really like to commend the group that put this whole thing together. I think that so many times, well-intentioned people um, have a. Uh, uh, a rough time getting things like this off the ground because they don't get the, the appropriate support. Um, this group did its due diligence. Um, they had a really good uh, board with folks that, that have a little bit of cachet, like uh, Arnie Duncan and Lynn Elmore, I believe, is on that board, and um, Charlotte Westerhouse, former NCAA executive, I'm not sure what, um, and, and some other folks. So, um, you know, I also think that starting with the, the three sports makes a lot of sense uh, instead of trying to stretch yourself too thin men's, women's basketball and football. If I had women's lacrosse, it'd be really tough for me to uh, have a diverse pool of candidates maybe uh, for right. that sport. So I think that they they focused in on a really good starting uh, spot. But um, in terms of its impact, I, I really do think that we'll see more diverse hires in the NCAA uh, because of this, because people will get a chance now to state their case. Um, and, and I think that I don't want to say the the only thing that we can ask for is a chance, but I would say that the only thing that we can ask for is a fair chance um, and, an, and, and an opportunity, an objective chance, an objective opportunity um, uh, to, to be able to show that we can do a job just like anybody else uh, can do a job. You know, one of the things my, my mother uh, told me is that you always have to be twice as good uh, to get a chance. Uh, she said that to me since I was a little boy. So uh, in my opinion, the, the the collegiate diversity, the collegiate coaching diversity pledge is a great step. I, I think it'll be very successful, and I'm, I was very happy to be an early adopter. And I, I you know, I, I've said it, you know, to, to many guests on, on this podcast before that there's strength in diversity. And, you know, as a society, we're, we're in a place where, uh, you know, we have to really be honest with ourselves, you know, and, and, uh, I was reading a book and it, and it talked about diversity and the challenges that come with that. Speaking of, I, I'm a big time leadership book guy, so we, we're going to have to connect on that. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I was reading a book and it, and it talked about the fact that diversity 
and and you you take it and and put it in diversity hiring in college and you, you got to know that that's a nice thing to talk about you know it's like that that shirt that sweater that we got for christmas it's a nice sweater but it always hangs in the closet nobody wants to wear it you know what i mean you want somebody else to wear it nobody really wants to wear it and it's it, it's cool that i'm having an opportunity to talk to you because money drives it you know money money drives it there's a portion of it that is driven by money because it's been said that well the donors they 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 only want to they they only support this kind of coach or that kind of coach uh well i kind of believe that you know what there's there's some donors out there who are diverse in their thought right and, and we have to find those type donors and, and commit to that if that if if your athletic department is driven by people who don't have diverse thought go find some people who have diverse thought they are Absolutely. out there right yeah. uh, uh, there are people that give millions of dollars to hbcus there's people that give a whole lot of money uh in 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 ways that will let you know that they support diversity <clears throat> absolutely Absolutely. So we, we all have had some uh, awesome leaders in our lives. And on this podcast, we've had some great leaders and they've talked about uh, their strategies and, and uh, things, philosophies that they've gotten from people who have uh, imparted great wisdom in their lives. And so what I would ask you is who in your life, who in your life has been the best leader that you've been around? And what are some of the things that that they taught you? Yeah, you know, you uh, you mentioned um, uh, in terms of leaders. I guess the first thing I think about is is a personal leader uh, would be, and this is this is just an honest answer. I think my dad's the best person uh, in the world. Uh, my dad is he's a, he's a special guy. He's he's a gentle giant. Um, there's no person in the world I, I admire more. I think that. The stability that he's shown uh, for, for my family and I has just been tremendous. His thoughtfulness, he's a guy that um, would do anything for anybody at any time. And so uh, I've learned so much from my dad. He has these long, drawn-out, long-winded conversations uh, with me sometimes. And over the years, I've become more patient because I've been able to, to really hear some of the wisdom uh, that, that's, that's coming from him. But um, so that's, I guess that's my first answer. But I guess professionally, um, it's really one of my one of my best friends in life now. It didn't start out that way. It started out as as colleagues. I actually, started out in, in admiring uh, this gentleman when he was uh, a young athletic director about twenty so twenty or so years ago. Uh, his name is Damon Evans. He's the uh, director of athletics currently at the University of Maryland. And um, in terms of leadership, I guess I would describe his leaderships. I, I don't really want to say a, a style, so to speak. So I guess I'll just describe it. I think. He's one of those people that um, uh, makes everyone uh, that he comes in contact with feel important. And I think that that goes a very long way. Um, he's anybody that knows Damon, he's extremely charismatic. Um, he, he has the ability to get people to buy into his vision. Um, he's highly relatable, all of, the, all of those sorts of things. And so, um, you know, he's, he's done a great job leading the Terps. He's, he's had a, a phenomenal career in our business. And, um, you know, he's also one of, one of the groomsmen at my wedding. And, um, so we've become personal friends as well, but, uh, those, those, uh, that, you know, per 
personally, my father and, and, and professionally, uh, Damon has, um, has, has taught me certainly a lot for this business. I've had an opportunity to meet Damon and, uh, and I agree in just a short time meeting him, being around him, I, I would say those same things. And then of course have, have known other people who have known him. So I would agree that that is exactly how I would describe him as well. And then you yeah. talked about your dad being a, a great leader in your life. And I think that I would, I would choose my dad as one of those people as well. The thing that is kind of disappointing is that I hear you say that, you know, when you listen to your dad's stories, they were long and drawn out. And, uh, that's kind of the stuff that my kids say to me. <laughs> the kids are like, oh, they're like, so my oldest son, like when you start, when you go into your deal, you know, and you, I, I have those leadership lessons. I have a three minute leadership seminar, and then I have a 15 minute, and then I have a 45 minute. So yeah. when I go into those 45 minute seminars, he starts like doing, like he's, like he's cracking his neck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's his clue to say, okay, yeah, they'll, they'll learn to continue to appreciate those things. Over well, time. That, that was encouraging. You said that over, over the course of time, you have grown patience, you know, yeah. to, to be able to deal with that, you know, yeah. uh, may, maybe what I'll get them to do, they'll be like, oh, just give me a three minute, <laughs> <after 45 laughs> minutes. Um, <clears throat> so I, kn I know you've had an opportunity to, to hire new coaches or hire new staff members. And I always, coming from my leadership readings, I always look at that because I, I think it's a great analogy to look at that as putting the people on your bus. And so when you talk about putting the people on your bus, how do you go about uh, identifying and understanding, choosing the best addition for your bus? So I think that um, uh, I guess when you when you think about a coach uh, on the coach side, and I think I got a little bit of a different answer, but uh, a relatable answer on the just the, the staff side. You know, here at Western, we're, we're not um, uh, in the FBS. We don't have a significant budget, and so you know, I, I think coaches that understand where we are and what the expectations are, which is not always a thing to get on board with, because where we are as a low budget school may not meet an expectation of winning championships. And so there's a very special person that's, that's a really good fit here. Um, you know, I think people that are uh, really into doing the work um, and, and bringing an energy and an attitude of winning every single day and, and, and don't have excuses. I like to uh, work with our coaches on, on plans for success. And, you know, if, 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 if they're the plan that they have, and I asked this obviously a question in interviews too, if we can fit resources with the plan that they have to be successful, then I think we can do something special. Um, but I think we have to agree on what that is. And so I think that, um, you know, at our institution in particular, um, it's not for everybody, but it's for people that understand that, look, this is, it's not a place uh, to make excuses, um, but I, I, I'm still expected to compete for championships. Um, I think on the on the staff side, uh, I, I look for people that are just highly relational. We spend so much time uh, in intercollegiate athletics around people. I think it's 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 really good to be around people that get along with other people. And so um, I know that that kind of sounds weird, but it's it's really I think that 
if you have people that are highly relational, you can get a lot of things done. Um, uh, that, that kind of reciprocal attitude of, um, you know, all buying into the same mission of growing our young people and winning championships um, is, is, is kind of how I look at things. And um, that's one of the questions I ask a lot when I'm checking references. You know, is this a person that you want to go grab a beverage with? Or is this a person you only want to see between nine to five? Uh, and so um, it's, it's maybe a little bit of a different answer. I, I, I'm one of those people that thinks that you can take someone that, that has a really good work ethic and is really relational and, and put them in a lot of different positions to be successful. There's a lot of things that they can do on your team to be successful. Um, but the, the, the relational part of things is just so important. Um, it's right at the top of my list of, of things that, that I look for. And again, just going back, I think the, the one slight difference from a coaching perspective is that if you understand that you're not going to have the highest budget in the league, but you're going to be expected to produce um, in the top three of the league with a chance to go to postseason play, if we can, uh, if I can listen to your plan and I can fit the resources, whether that's through the resources we see, we receive from student fees or the institution or money that we have to fundraise, um, and we can make that work, but you know, it's, it's, it's not a place that's for everybody. And so I think the answer to that question on the coach side really is dependent upon where you are and at the institution that I'm at now, um, those are a couple of things that I look for. Yeah. And I, I think those are, are big time important when, when, you know, because, you know, there are coaches who have been at some of those places that you're not right. Uh, in terms of finances and, uh, the expectation is the same, but understanding what you're working with, you know, I, I think it makes everybody's job easier. And again, we go back to these books, um, The Energy Bus by John Gordon. And what I learned from that book is that that you talk about the staff, but I feel like this, this as a coach, this is a relationship business. Because even, even in a situation that you talked about, Hey, listen, the resources are not the same as one place or another, but a coach has to say, all right, this is what I have. Well, let me, let me work with it. Right. But, but as you have relationships, as you develop relationships in recruiting, as you develop relationships on the campus, and this is the way I look at it as a coach, then, then, then you get more out of, you get more than you thought you would get, right? My my assistant coaches, they're going to work a little harder, even though I'm not paying them as much because I'm going to tell them thank you. You know what I mean? Now, when you're paying them a million dollars a year, you don't have to say thank you. You know what I mean? You don't have to, you don't have to talk to them. But when they're, when they're getting, you know, when that salary is not the same, then you got to make sure that you show them that you appreciate them, that you do things. And so, so to me, I, I really feel like that it's relational, like you talked about, and then it's transformational, right? Yeah. You gotta be in the business as a coach that you're about transforming people. And that goes back to that to that book, that uh, life-changing book for me, is it, it made me realize that as a coach, I'm here to change the world through sports, change the change the world, change the lives of the student athletes I deal with, but then the coaches as well, and 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 the people on the staff. I, I in this um, experience, we've had opportunity 
to speak to athletic directors and what they've said is that, you know what, man, our coaches and their culture of relationship was so strong that it infected the athletic department and the athletic department's vision changed to match that of the head co of the football team, you know? See that. And it's, it's about the, I believe that is about the relationships. When I, I'm gonna be a head coach one of these days and, and my program will be driven by relationships. Everybody says that, right? That, that's on walls all over the country. But it's not until you really dig in and, and you make sure that the relationships, they go, they go deep, they go player to player, they go coach to player, they go coach to coach, they go coach to staff member, they go coach to student who is not an athlete, they go coach to student athletes in other sports. And, and, and again, when you do it, when you do things in a special way, other people, other sports, the whole athletic department, grab on and want to be a part of it. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> I think that just, I want to touch on something um, with, from the coach's perspective, just really quickly. I think that um, for any coaches that may hear this podcast, I think one of the things that I want to clarify is, you know, I'm, I'm going to use our league as an example. Let's say you're a, a basketball coach and your annual budget is $300,000 to run your program. And you know that, you know, at the top of the league, the, the budgets are $400,000. Right. You know, I, I think that, um, we have to identify coaches and we look for coaches that look at that and try to find solutions to that gap. And so how can we creatively approach our job in order to uh, meet the needs that we feel like we can meet or we need to meet in order to be successful and compete in the top three, compete for championships? Um, you know, if, if, if a coach comes in and the top budget in the league is $400,000 and your budget is $50,000, you probably need to be in a different league, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, I, I guess the, the other uh, quick thing I, I would say is that as I think about our place in, in FCS and coming from three different power five institutions before getting here, some of the um, salary differences are significant when it comes to assistant coaches at the FCS level. And when you get a good coach um, uh, at a position, let's call it in football, they're going to get, they're going to get taken. Uh, we, we've seen it time and time again, and we can't always meet those many times in football. I mean, you're talking about doubling salaries at least. Right. Um, and so, you know, one of the things, and this has nothing to do with uh, what I look for in terms of hiring, but I'm just thinking from a leadership perspective, creating experiences for your staff that make making less um, more manageable. Um, everybody's going to want to go from $50,000 to $100,000. There's no question about that. But you know, if if I can, if I can, if I can make, be making fifty now, and I'm in a really good situation, I feel like this place is investing in in, in me um, in terms of uh, what I want to do for my future. If I want to be a head coach, maybe I'm still ten or twelve years away. I'm putting together a plan in place where I know that they're investing in me. Maybe I don't take that job just paying me sixty five instead of fifty. Um, maybe I stick around thinking uh, I'm going to be here for a little while in order to. Uh, really think about the long game um, because 15,000 extra dollars is going to be nice. I may be able to uh, afford a, an apartment that's a couple hundred uh, square feet bigger than mine is now. It may be a car that, you know, gets a little bit less gas mileage, right. but, um, but, but my experience. And so I think as, as leaders um, and I learned this from one of my bosses at the university of Michigan, um, creating an environment 
that makes people second guess or really makes people leaving certainly, but really makes people value the place that they're at. Because um, if you can do that and it is not easy, it is not easy to do. Um, then I think that that's when you really, I think that's all part of building a really strong culture. Right. Um, and, and I think that all those things work together. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to pull coaches in here and say, Hey, you got to do, uh, you got to win championships with nothing at all. Right. But, but I, I do like to think about coaches that can be creative and want to embrace challenges when they're thinking about uh, the situation that they're getting involved in. So just wanted to throw that in there. Exactly. I, it's, it's relationships. You know, yeah. if, I mean, you, you hear the terms quality of life. And, and when I, as an assistant coach, am in a, in a, in a uh, situation where I'm making a decision for me, and I think for a lot of other coaches as well, it's always what's what's the long, you know, what what's the long-term vision? What's the long-term vision for for my career and and for my uh, family? And when you know you're in a situation, we always say it with good people, and that there's a plan for your development here. Uh, it's got to be a, a a large amount of money. Uh, you know, to make a guy, to make a guy jump ship. Absolutely. So let's back up. Let's back up. What's, what's one thing that you would tell younger, young Alex Gary that you know now that you wish you would have known back then? That I wish I would have known. Well, I guess, um, you know, uh, when I was when I was in graduate school, I did a lot of networking. Uh, man, I was a matter of fact. I met Damon when I was in graduate school. He he doesn't remember this. Uh -huh. uh, years, uh, however many years ago that was. Um, I, you know, I had I was a big business card collector. I went and paid my, uh, rode a train in New York to work at some sports business journal, intercollegiate athletic thing, where I met Gene Smith and uh, several Miles Brand uh, years ago. Met met all those folks and. Um, I reached out to, to talk to uh, uh, Bernard Muir, who I was actually on a Zoom call with yesterday with some other folks, um, who was the AD at uh, Georgetown at the time. And you know, I, was, I was really into that, you know. And as my career started to continue to, 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 to move along, and um, one of the things that I wish I would have known is the importance of staying hungry as it relates to my network and my networking. Because I tell you what, once I got... Uh, to let's call it the University of Maryland, and I was an associate AD, and maybe on my transition to being a, a senior associate at my next stop, I really stopped uh, uh, being having that same hunger for for creating and maintaining my network, because now in this chair, you start to see how important it is when you're wanting to schedule games or yeah. um, when you're wanting to uh, you know try to get your team. A, a nod for the last spot in, in the in the field of, or something like that. So I think that's um, I would have I would have I wish I would have known the importance of continuing that. It's not like I can't pick it up, but I feel like where I started in terms of the hunger of expanding that network, linking up with people, um, bouncing ideas off of um, it continued, but not anywhere near the pace where it started. And so I, I would I would tell my younger self. To, to not, um, regardless of what positions you take or where you move up to, how important that is to continue to stay, stay on top of. 
That's cool. I I um I I encourage young coaches uh, in that same way. Uh, a lot of young coaches that I meet, their thought is they want to meet coach so and so because you know he has a job. Yeah, man, if I could just get, if I could just get to, and and I say, you know, man, it's it's funny, but that guy that you're trying to get to, he's surrounded by a lot of other people, you know. And if you have relationships with those other people, you could get them. Uh, another book, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember who wrote this book, but it's called The Power of Who. Oh yeah. And um, man, I can't. Anyway, I, I know the premise of the book. The, the book is, is saying, listen, you're trying to touch that guy. That guy's daughter goes to karate. <laughs> You know, and, and as she's at karate, the mom is there with her and your wife is probably there with the mom at karate. You know, so it's just the relationships that that, you, that maybe you don't value as much, but you have to understand those relationships are just as important as that guy that you're trying to, you're chasing. Uh, quick story, and I give young coaches this story so so i i'm on the afca uh, afca board well the way i got on that board initially is just by being a part of committees within the afca and i call them the worker bee committees so the worker bee committees the the pds committee when you co go to the convention the way you're going to get your money back your is is, is the fact that you went to some sessions so some of those sessions the professional development sessions we have to give you a stamp. So I was on that committee when I first started the coaching. And I wanted to be on that committee because before you get a stamp, you got to tell me who you are, where you're from. So I met Division Two, Division Three, FCS. I met all kinds of coaches. Before you get that stamp, I don't know why I wanted to meet them. I just, that's, I just want to establish relationships, network, right? But when I say network, it's just about establishing relationships. It's not that I want to have a transaction with that person. But you know what? Eventually, maybe we do have a transaction. Eventually, maybe you are at so-and-so university and we play the team that you just played. And so maybe you do. You're, you are able to give me some tidbits on something you got from that game. So it could end up being transactional. Well, <clears throat> As I, as I continued to grow, I moved up. I got out of worker bee committees and I got to the committees where I was able to uh, go and, and go on the stage and introduce the big time speakers. Well, before I introduced that big time speaker, uh, I was behind the stage talking to this guy. And, and you out in the audience, you know this guy has a running backs job and you're just wishing, man, if I could just get to him, well, here I am behind the scenes talking to him. Right. So if I was a running back coach, this is my opportunity, you know? Yep. And so Absolutely. I always encourage coaches, you know, man, be a part of, you know, go to the clinics, speak at the clinics, write the articles, right? Because, because you're doing what coaches do, but in doing that, you are setting yourself up to establish relationships, to network, right? Absolutely. And again, it, don't have, it doesn't have to be a transactional relationship, but sometimes it does work out. You know, it does work out that way. Oh, that's so, great. Man, that's very good. Alex, I, I do, I do appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for being on. Like I said, there's there's been a lot of uh, 
coaches and, and administrators and uh, people who have watched and, and gotten great advice and insight. And so I appreciate you for being willing to share. And like I said, we're gonna have to connect because uh, I, I have a, a, a great joy uh, for reading leadership books and, and really understanding that even after this, uh, this experience, understanding that it's, we're all saying the same things. We're just kind of saying it in a different way. And sometimes the way you say it and the way you believe is just the way I believe. But if I can learn from you, maybe I can share it uh, from someone in the way that they need it at that moment. Absolutely. Love it. So, love it. Man, I appreciate you, uh, you having me on. This has been a lot of fun. I feel like I've learned a lot from you. And as we talked about through some of the Q&A, we, we definitely got to connect and um, you know, continue to make each other better. For sure, for sure.